إنك لا تهدي من أحببت ولكن الله يهدي من يشاء Assalamu alaikum talaiz John Fontaine just before we begin the podcast please make sure you click subscribe and also set your notifications also if you'd like to support the podcast by supporting us financially uh, with the equipment and the travel costs and the running costs not just of the podcast but also the other dawa activities I'm involved in please support on the Patreon account jazakallah khair assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Alhamdulillahir Rabbil Alamin wa salatu wa salam Rasulillah Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh my name is John Fontaine and welcome back to the Young Smirks podcast today i have brother Nazi assalamu alaikum wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi brother Nazi all the way from Durham in the United States of America mashallah we have um, today brother Nazi is going to give us uh, a small introduction to his new book the Adhan in the Bull City, Building Durham's Islamic Community. Um, so, mashallah. Um, Brother Nazi, welcome to the Young Smex podcast. Yeah. Thanks for joining me. Alhamdulillah, I appreciate you having me. So, Brother Nazi, you, um, you were a convert to Islam. You yes. accepted Islam many years ago. Yes. So, how did you come across Islam? Well, when you decide to become a Muslim, at least for me, it's a culmination of many things lasting over many years, yeah. you know, it, it seems that Allah starts making you aware uh, and then He sends along certain things over time, prepares you and puts you in the right spot. Uh, the right spot in the sense that you, you come into faith, but you also have something to do with that faith, you know, to do Amlu Saleh, you know, because a lot of people get into Islam and they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't quite have that problem, but I first heard about Islam when I was a, a young kid in elementary school in a world geography book. You know, it had a little paragraph about Islam. Then, of course, as I got older in high school, junior high school, we heard about the nation of Islam, but we didn't really see any nation of Islam people in my hometown of, of Goldsboro, North Carolina. But my real contacts with some Islamic aspects was when I moved to uh, Durham, North Carolina, to study at North Carolina Central University, and you had the Nation of Islam there. And of course, they, they had a pretty good presence in Durham. I, I think they had one of the largest masters there. And some of the uh, greater activists in the state were from Durham-Raleigh area. Um, and, but I really didn't go to any of their lectures. I really didn't do anything. Maybe bought some food from them, you know, sell on the street. I didn't buy any papers. Uh, but some of the guys in the dormitory listened to Farrakhan on the radio, but I wasn't interested in, in listening to that. But my real interest started, I really think, when I, uh, I got drafted and I had to go to the military. And I was stationed in Germany, and uh, they put us on World War Alert in 1973 when Israelis and the Arabs had a war. Mm. We was going to back up the Israelis and the Soviet Union was going to back up the Arabs. So I wanted to know why. We're going to be in a war with these guys, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when I started reading about it. And then I read Malcolm X's book, mm-hmm. The Autobiography of Malcolm X. And I started reading a lot of other radical books, James Baldwin, John Franklin, um, who sat by the door, Sam Greenlee, uh, Frantz Fernand. Uh, and it's just sort of making me aware of what was going on in the world. 
besides geography, which was my specialty at that time. Uh, when I got back to out of the army and back to college in Durham, um, I just kind of had a new perspective about what I want to do. Uh, I became interested in cities uh, quite well because I was in Stuttgart, Germany, and it was an mm. amazing city. Seeming since it was torn up completely by World War II, mm. where you couldn't see a, a speck of that. And I began to understand uh, and see some of those uh, theories they had in place. Mm. Um, so, so was you? Did was you from a Christian background before? Did you attend church? Did you have a belief in God? You know, throughout your life before becoming Muslim. Um, my mother was religious, and mm. when I was. Uh, in elementary school, moved to a house that was across the street from her church. And we would go to Sunday school sometimes. She didn't make us. We'd go to vacation Bible school the first couple of weeks of summer. But I wasn't one to walk around and say, I believe in Jesus and all this kind of stuff or mm. that, that thing. And I really didn't have a, a real belief. I was just there. I went to church with some of my friends in high school, you know, because it was the girls thing, you know, was hanging out with, with my friends, but I, I couldn't preach anything. And mm. I remember <laughs> I had uh, dinner with my girlfriend one time uh, at her parents' house, and mm. they say a well, Bible verse before they eat. Mm. Everybody has to say a Bible verse, and uh, I couldn't say one. <laughs> I mean, it was embarrassing, but mm. uh, I couldn't say one. So mm. that was it. I really mm. didn't have a real belief in Christianity. And then when I graduated, we had dinner with my mother and my wife's mother at the time. Um, I had to give grace for the table. And as Christian said it, in Jesus' name, and that bothered me tremendously. I kept saying, you know, it, I mean, it just hit me. So, you know, like, why did you say that? You know, it, it really bothered me. Yeah, because yeah. Christians, that's one thing for Muslims may not know that. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, Christians, um, Christians say in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so you had an issue with that. It just didn't feel. It, right it just didn't feel right. I'm a body just kind of right. there. What are you doing, man? Survival. You know, like you know, I, you know. Cause, so that's the fitrah. You know, you say everyone's born yeah. on the fitrah. The Prophet yeah. said, yeah. you know, and the fitrah is the correct belief in Allah. You know, yeah. so you you wasn't you wasn't feeling my that was, at all. My body was feeling the same. <laughs> you know, Subhanallah. and it, and it stuck with me. I I, I always kind of looked at that. And one of the things was that I had started reading about Islam. My brother had given me a Quran. And this was after the fact that my wife and I had separated for a while. And I just started reading. I thought about becoming a Muslim, going home and becoming a Muslim, but I didn't think that was the right idea yeah. for me to come in. You want to come in because you really believe that this is the truth and not yeah. because something chased you that way. Even though some people, some of the best of Muslims, mm. came in that way, but mm. it didn't. So your, mm. your your wife before Islam was she didn't accept Islam. No, she thought Muslims were people who couldn't get, a, get couldn't make it in this world. Okay. Because I think in that time in Durham, you saw Muslims; they were vendors, mm. and they really didn't impact mm. anything, so to speak. You know, mm. and, um, I really didn't notice Muslims that much then. That's, that's the amazing part about it, is I really didn't notice Muslims during that much. Yeah. And I did have a younger brother who became a Muslim. My oldest brother became Muslim. My youngest brother is the one who gave me oh, material sure. to read and would give me da'wah when he came to town. So, you, so your, your, young, your, young, your brother came to Islam before you? Yes, yeah, Saleh. Saleh. Oh, mm -hmm. He came to Islam before me. And what really sparked, sparked me was 
he came to visit me one day and we saw this TV commercial in search of Noah's Ark. Mm. And I said, do you all believe in Noah? And he, he said, yeah. And he started telling me about prophet, prophethood in Islam. Mm. And I, I thought that was amazing. It made sense. It started yeah. connecting another dot. You know, this, this is what made sense to me. Mm. Uh, you know, I didn't know Muslims believe in Jesus yeah. uh, or Abraham or Moses. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the ayah in the Quran where Allah mentions that Ibrahim is not Jewish or Christian, mm -hmm. he's a Muslim. And this ayah popped out for me because it was like, well, yeah, no Jew or Christian claims Ibrahim was a Jew or Christian, yeah. obviously, because it's before uh, the labeling of, of this. And so I'm like, yeah, he's a Muslim, it makes sense. Yeah. So same thing for you, the, the, when, when your brother broke down the, the, the lineage of the prophets, and yeah. it made sense. It made, oh, made a lot of sense to me. Uh, it kind of really sent me on to reading more and trying to understand more about Islam. MashaAllah. Trying to understand just what the world was about, because that's mm -hmm. something I had always become concerned about as a little kid. You know, where is this place? What is this we're mm -hmm. you know, doing here? I studied geography. I knew about the world, you know, maps and stuff like that, people, you know, and it came to me kind of naturally. Yeah. But I became interested in cities when I was in the army, and I started studying urban, urban course at North Carolina Central had urban sociology, urban geography, yeah. urban economics. And I remember from that class, the theory was from the book that we had uh, that the purpose of man, purpose of man, was economic, mm. and that disturbed me. It's, you know, it's just, I'm just here to make money, money for somebody yeah. else or make money. You know, but. In most cases, people I saw they were making money for somebody else and not yeah. for themselves, so to speak. I said, that's a really shallow existence to just make money. This mm. is why you're here. It's you know, uh, I, I just couldn't stomach that. You know, it's got to be something more to life than just that. So, how old were you when you accepted Islam finally? Was you? I was 27. Oh, I had wow. just turned 27. Mashallah. Yeah, and uh, um, and you was telling me um, that you you actually. You were drafted into the army in, yeah. in the seventies, right? So, yeah. I mean, how? I mean, that that must have, was this before you was a Muslim? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so how was it being drafted? You know, I mean, the, you know, because we, we don't really have that these days. In, oh in, yeah, you know, don't so. have. <clears throat> but they're talking about drafting women now. But yeah. uh, at least they register for the draft. Um, that kind of bothered me because I had already been accepted. For my first year of college and uh, in my town very few people went to college uh, but in my group you still have more people going to college and you have most most of my friends and people we hung up on the corner you know we drink wine and shoot the breeze or whatever else but most of the guys weren't going anywhere you know they kind of wanted to go on a trade or something or whatever and I became disturbed by that because uh, here I was. Here I was trying to elevate myself in life by going to college, and they here they come taking me from college. I, I was able to finish my first year, um, and of course, if you dodge the draft, you better get out of the country, go to Canada, mm. or they'll put you in jail. Yeah. And, you know, like they try to do Muhammad Ali, yeah, and yeah, strip everything from him. Yeah. yeah, but his case was fabulous to read because he, the Supreme Court supported him on that. And uh, but anyway. Um, in the military, it exposed me to a lot of people, and of course, I went to different places. And of course, having the experience of uh, that war, which put this society in, against 
Muslims in some sense, it gave me a chance to really start reading about it. Yeah. yeah. So, SubhanAllah, um, so do you think that your traveling actually helped you have a, like a bigger picture of the world? Getting out of the getting out of the states and doing a bit of because I know you well travelled as well. Do you think this kind of helped you come to Islam in some way? Not to come to Islam in the sense that uh, most of my travels after I became a Muslim. Mm. Um, of course, the only travel I had before Muslim was I went to in the army. I went to Berlin. I was on the Berlin Wall, that kind of thing. I went to the Netherlands, but also went to uh, Saint Croix. As you know, wedding in Mexico, but I didn't really go to any place that really exposed me to Islam. Yeah. But when I became a Muslim, I wanted to travel to Muslim lands because I wanted to see what what Islam looked like in practice, so yeah. to speak, and how the Muslims lived. And I think that kind of kept me from getting involved in all these kinds of groups uh, because um, the different groups was causing a lot of frictions in communities. Yeah. And for the most part, the only way we learned about Islam, because we didn't have scholars then, was to read it in books. And the more you read or whoever you read from, that kind of affected your Islam. Mm. And getting about to see Muslims was very helpful. And yeah. I did get a chance to travel to several countries in Africa, uh, to Hong Kong, Malaysia, Singapore, uh, Europe, of course, I've been there. And of course, Africa, I've been to three of the four extremes. You know, mm. you the four extremes are uh, uh, Tunisia, Senegal, South Africa, and Somalia. I haven't been to Somalia. And Egypt as well. You didn't see Egypt. Well, Egypt's there, yeah. yeah. I spent almost two years in Egypt. Yeah. But alhamdulillah, um, that afforded me the ability to go to some of the other places, so I was in Egypt. Yeah. And I wanted to go to Syria, uh, but it took too long to get a visa, that kind of thing, so I yeah. never got there. And I wanted to go to Iraq. I never got a chance to go there. Now it's torn all to pieces. But so how was it traveling the Muslim world? You know, you'd, you'd come into Islam. I mean, so how is the makeup back home in the states? Um, because where I'm from, you know, it's majority like Indo-Pak. You know, people from Pakistan, etc. Yeah. And we have some Arabs. You know, big Libyan community, some Syrians. How was it in Durham, where you was from? Well, in Durham, the, the face of Islam was the nation of Islam mm. for many years. And then, of course, they became the world community Islam and the world Muhammad. And when I became Muslim, we tried to work with them, try to learn and grow with them, you know, but they weren't establishing the prayer. Mm. They were still um, pretty much based on a lot of the Islam stuff. So we got frustrated in a lot of the activities we tried to hold, like weekend Salah and Jamaah. We mm. established the weekend Fajr prayers there uh, with the help of some students from uh, some Saudi Arabia other places. Uh, at that time, the students were helping us to learn our religion because we had nobody to really teach us. Where were they, where were they from? Uh, we had mostly the ones who were very helpful were from the Arab countries. Okay, so they'd come Saudi over to study in the States? Oh yeah, they came yeah. over to study. Uh, we had a lot of, particularly in Raleigh, they had a lot of engineers, mm. students. You had people who were uh, involved in the, the heavy sciences, physics, mm. nuclear physics, things like that. And then you had the other engineers and mm. other sciences that they participated in. And they were the ones who really gave us a, a, a good boost in Islam, mm. but they really couldn't tell us all the aspects addressing the issues in our society. Yeah. Um, but uh, they helped us to establish our messages and things like that. And in Durham, we left 
the Masjid Muhammad because we couldn't do that. So we had to start our own organization or have our own place. And uh, for the most part, the foundation that was African-American Muslims. Yeah. Or as, as I mentioned, black American Muslims. Yeah. Um, the foreigners at that time in, in the early 80s were not so concerned about establishing Islam, but more about establishing themselves in the American society. Yeah. You know, American yeah. society um, is baffling to a lot of people in some of the things that we do. But uh, so therefore, we took the lead. You know, we knew we had to make Islam appear, not just believe in Islam, but we had to do the things to make Islam appear in the society. And for, um, so that meant we, we had to have an organization to do things with yeah. legally. Yeah. And then we had to uh, have a place where we can establish yeah. the prayer because that's yeah. the most important thing. I, I want to come to that in a moment, but I just want to kind of know more about your travels. So knowing the, the community back home, mostly African-American, but you had some kind of uh, like Arab students. So how was it when you actually went to travel the Muslim world and seeing different types of Muslims from different backgrounds, different even cultures? How was it for you initially? I mean, this what... When did you start traveling? You know, like, well, my first travel to the Islamic world was on Hajj in 1981. Oh, wow. And so we, how, was it, how was it like seeing different types of Muslims? Because, well, you know, obviously you said you, you read uh, Malcolm X's book and obviously it had a huge impact on him. Yeah. And even me, you know, seeing, yeah. when I traveled, seeing different types of Muslims. How yeah. was it for yourself? Well, for me, it was, it was great. I was just piecing it together, especially yeah. the Hajj makes it very clear mm. that that this is the right religion because everybody's there. Everybody's represented at Hajj. Yeah. You know, and there's no other religion that represents mankind totally like Islam does. Yeah, so you know I mean, and then, and then at some parts of Hajj, you see everybody going to Stone of Jemera. Mm. They're in their native dress after, you know, after the first few days, yeah. they're in their native dress, yeah. and you see the Indonesians, you see the Turkish, you see the, Ara the Arabs, you see the Africans, you, see, you know, you see everybody like, it's like, wow, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing it is, to yeah. see them all there and to see them performing the same acts of worship together. Yeah. You know, it's like, come on, yeah. man, this is, this is it, you know. You know, America, you know, it's one of the most segregated countries in the world, you know. You know, you you know you have black churches, white churches, yeah. Hispanic churches, and and you're not allowed in the other in the one that you're not a part of, right? Yeah. You know, it's known the the, the the racism, the level of racism in America. So you know, for yourself, I'm, I'm you know, it must have been phenomenal to see, you know, just so many different cultures. You know, yeah. I mean, one thing for me, I've mentioned this many times. Uh, you know, when traveling to Africa seeing uh, black Muslims traveling to Bosnia, seeing white Muslims, not Turks, but, but white, actual European white Muslims. Muslims. Yeah. It's, 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 it really is it's an eye-opener. You know, it's like you say, it's a, it's, a, it's a world religion for everyone, yeah. you know, and everyone is equal. You know, it's, it's your good deeds that set you apart from the other, you know. Yeah. So, Savannah, but, but yeah, I mean, the 80s, you know, things would have been very different uh, to today. Mm. But one of the things that were uh, important about a community, we did have one brother who was studying at university, Islamic University in Medina, Saudi Arabia, Talib Abdullah. Mm. And he was still studying while we was trying to get organized. And he came back in 1988 to, to be IMM. Now, one thing also uh, that was different about our community is that we had a lot of professional and educated Muslims 
to form our community. We had some uh, Muslims with PhDs in economics. Uh, they had uh, accountants, other mathematical degrees, English, history, sociology. We had all those people there, and they weren't. And we need to educate people so we get educate people together, yeah. they're going to do something. Mm. But we also had to understand what it is we're going to do and how we're going to do it. Yeah. And we kind of all agree upon it. Mm. You know, we had to consult each other. It wasn't yeah. a question of yeah. somebody being the leader said, do this, do that, do this. No, we, we all talked about what yeah. it is that we want to do. And that, that and brings us to your book, really, uh -huh. you know, because it, your book, The Adhan in the Bull City, Building Durham's Islamic Community. Yeah. You know, so this, you, you wrote this book. Uh, basically explaining how you helped build the Islamic community in Durham and how the community got together. So yeah. maybe you can give us some insight into how you established the masjid, the first masjid in uh, Durham to do the Adhan out loud, right? And it's yes. the only masjid, is that right? Well, there's some, there's some others that now that are starting to do that, but it's very different from what yeah. we did. Yeah. Um, so tell us about the, the book and why you wrote the book. Well. Actually, there's two reasons I wrote the book. Mm -hmm. uh, the first is that uh, um, our community had a fitna that broke us up, and the leadership of the organization, which was primarily under the African American or Black Americans, as I call it, uh, changed. They get split off and form another group under the Dalton Salafia, and that left pretty much the immigrant Muslims as the major group involved in the activities of worshiping and Jummah and things like that. So they became involved in the administration of the community. Um, you know, there are two different approaches about Islam uh, at that time. The mainly was for the black Americans, you know, we were kind of dismayed at some of the aspects of American society and we really weren't looking to integrate in American side, we already been through that. <laughs> we went to integration in schools and things like that, but we were trying to really establish ourselves on Islam. Therefore, we started our school, Ibad Rahman School, which was the first Islamic school in the state of North Carolina to have high school graduates. In fact, during the schools that existed, we had 14 high school graduates. Mm. Um, but most of the foreign people didn't want to put their kids in the in the in the in the school. They mm. preferred the public school and they preferred it. The, you know, their the kids get the basis of American yeah. society. And we were trying to get away from that because we knew what happened in mm -hmm. schools. You yeah. know, we went to those schools, you know what they taught, we know how yeah. people yeah. interacted there. Um, but when that happened, the impact of our community, black Americans, was diminished. Mm. And it's almost like we never really existed. You know, there's no credit given to the things that we do. and Therefore, there was a little lack of respect for us. Mm. You know, there was all the respect for us when we were starting doing things because they said, well, you know, you guys are better Muslims than we are mm. then. But when more of the immigrants came to America, we became marginalized. Yeah. And, 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 and some people don't know how to handle that. Yeah. Uh, a lot of us don't know how to handle it. We just, okay, we just go and do our own thing by ourselves and later for those guys, let them go ahead and jump off the cliff if they want to or whatever. But that's not the way we're supposed to react to that. At least that's not the way I react to that. And especially with something I helped start, I'm not going to run away from it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. You know, I, I can't go and start something with somebody else when I knew that what we had was was uh, built on a, a logical found, found foundation. 
Mm. And all it needed was for people to interact, work together, and move forward. Mm. Um, the other thing was that uh, one of the things I recommend in my book is that we need a community center. You know, so much of our activities are centered around the masjid, but you also need for Muslims to interact in other aspects of life, like, you know, social activities, uh, education, physical education, those kinds of activities can't really be done these days in the masjid. Yeah. So therefore, you need to have a place where Muslims can interact outside of the prayer time, mm. outside the masjid. Kids can go there, have their activities, women can have their activities, men can have activities, different yeah. times, whatever else. But this is where they really start yeah. carrying out the, the, the cycles, the engines of life, rather than just going to pray in the master and the master you can have classes, you know, you can have dinners and whatever else, but that's pretty much limited what you can do in, in the master. And yeah. of course, most of them would not accommodate those kinds of activities that need to be done yeah. elsewhere. Yeah. Um, but those are the two reasons I did that. And yeah. uh, um, of course, I haven't raised enough money to help get that program going. And of course, my book is right, not new, it's almost it's going on six years now. I published it in 2015. Mm. And I had opportunity to present it at, at the ISNA conference in 2016. Mm. But uh, just going back over through that, um, people can realize and see some of the things that we went through to get to where we are today. Yeah. Because a lot of times, that I mean, it, it, mm. the important thing, I mean, it's easy to, like today when we look at the States and, and even England, there's mosques everywhere, yeah. you know. But back then, you know, like you're saying, that, you know, 30 years ago or more, 40 years ago, there wasn't the, the facilities for the Muslims back then. Right. So, and somebody had to build that, right. you know, and that started with the African-American Muslims. You know, and you're saying that when the immigrants came, also they had a part to play as well. Mm. You see, in the, in the UK, you know, most of our foundations were built by the Pakistani community. Mm. You know, because they were they were kind of the predominant uh, majority mm -hmm. Muslims. We had some Yemenis early on, but but the Pakistani community really established the mosques. Mm. You know, so yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's it, it's it's teething problems. As they say, you know, yeah. you know, trying to and, and, and it's new for you as it's new it was new for you as it was new for them to work with people from different cultures. And a lot of the time people who are not born in the West, they don't really know the struggle and the, the true struggle. You know, like you were saying, um, you you guys are trying to get away from the the American uh, yeah. institution, you know, of the curriculum and the the, the schools, you know, you wanted to set up your own Islamic schools. And that's kind of where I am right now. You know, it's like, yeah. I will not, I don't want to put my children through, you know, a secular, a British secular education, yeah. you know, for them to lose their Islam. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, we're seeing uh, people, immigrants now come into the UK or even second generation uh, immigrants, you know, Pakistanis in the UK, sending their children to you know the the the, the, av the average school in, the, in 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 the UK, and it's affecting the iman of the children. Yeah. And sometimes you don't realize until it's 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 never too late, but it's too late. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you know you 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 don't want to uh, try to you don't want to have to give your children dawah, you know, back to Islam. Yeah. You know that that's kind of too late. You know, you want to kind of prevent them doubts, prevent that kind of thing happening. So I don't. I think I think maybe. Some of them maybe regret not being more involved in, in the 
in the in the already established Muslim community. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing. Sheikh uh, Abdul Hakim Quick mm -hmm. was a keynote speaker at our first school graduation ceremony, and he told us about the term "zu wajhain," mm -hmm. the possessor of two faces. He said, "This is what the society promotes in our children: mm -hmm. is that when they're home, they're Muhammad, and when they're in school, they might be Mo yeah. or." Ham or some other name from that, or some other nickname they give them, and therefore the kids have a schizophrenia in the sense that when they're home they act like a Muslim, when they're at school they act like the other normal, other average yeah. American kids, even being thuggish or whatever else they need to do to survive. And for the most part, when the parents don't understand what goes on in that school environment, they can't help. Yeah, they can't help uh, detoxify or what is it when you change someone who's been brainwashed, you know, it's hard to, yeah. to, to, to really uh, address those kinds of things they face every day because they're unaware. Mm. They're even unaware in the curriculum, unaware of what they're teaching them, yeah. their experiences at school, and of course, on the other side of that, they have to work hard at their own job, so they ain't got the, yeah. the time to apply yeah. to trying to help their kids understand, this is not good for you, this is against our religion, blah, blah, blah. Mm. They don't have that time. And the unfortunate thing is that years later they lose their children, you know, mm. that kind of thing, and then they... So, so since you became a Muslim, what, who kind of helped you learn your religion? Who would, you know, who are the, you know, because, you know, in the, in the States, you know, how, how did you kind of find the correct Islam? You know, was it through books? Was it through, did you have local sheikhs, local imams? We had, uh, locally, we had our Imam Talib Abdullah who studied at the Islamic University. He was our Imam for a long period of time before he went to work at uh, the American Correction System in Hagerstown. Then we had, uh, we had Muhammad Bayanoni. He was a Syrian. He got run out of Syria. And his, his family is a long line of scholars. We didn't know what that meant then but we understand some of it now. Um, but he had the, the issue of trying to explain to us religion, uh, and he wasn't well grounded in English then. But Sheikh Ali, Muhammad Ali, moved down from New York to Columbia, South Carolina. He would come through trying to help establish some type of association of communities so that we could help those who had knowledge and those who didn't have knowledge or a man who had studied and learned to come together and learn aspects of religion, and we eventually called that the Carolina Islamic Council. And he was the coordinator, and they made me uh, the system coordinator to try to help out and move things. And that was a good program. Four times a year, we met to do workshops on various topics in Islam. And, and for a while, we had an annual conference, but it got to be too much like a workshop, so we kind of dropped that. But, but we had to, to, to try and um, bringing people together, communities, because we were, we, you know, we were experiencing some of the same issues and problems, but we did not have any specific scholar as our teacher, even though we knew about Sheikh Ben Baz, Uthaymeen, Sheikh Babani, and others, but, um, but they were not, so to speak, uh, um, our sheikhs. Mm. They were scholars that we tried to learn from them, read their books mm. and things like that. And that's one of the real issues that we didn't have um, knowledgeable 
scholars to help direct us in understanding. Mm-hmm. You also mentioned Abdullah Hakim Quick. Yes. So he used to come down and visit well, he, you guys as well? Well, he came down for that event because we knew him. Um, yeah. and he went to school with Talib at, at the uh, Islamic University. And uh, did I meet him before then? Yes, I met him on Hajj before then, he and uh, Dr. Bilal in yeah, 1984 sure. uh, mm-hmm. on a Hajj. This is the Hajj we went after my wife and I got married. Met the Hajj and we met them. That's before they uh, finished their studies and things. They were still studying. Uh, but uh, Alhamdulillah. Uh, so, how is the community today? You know, you've been through a lot of, you know, struggles and, and challenges. You know, tell us a bit about how the com- community has developed now. Well, the community now is pretty much uh, operated by um, immigrant Muslims. Mm. And um, it's grown. Uh, it has more resources now, mm. uh, but they don't still have a school. We have a private school that's not associated with the community, but we do support it financially as well as providing it with space mm. at our second masjid in Parkwood. Um, our, <laughs> anyway, it's grown. We we have like four Juma prayers now in terms of links. You know, I mean, and that's. In case we don't have space, yeah. you know, to accommodate a lot of people, yeah. um, it's a big community. It's yeah. fairly big now, um, but this is not something uh, uncommon. You find yeah. that in a lot of places now. You have uh, there's more Muslims before the facilities can catch up to accommodate them. It's like mm-hmm. we always chasing after providing for the community. But the most important thing about that is, is, is trying to promote unity amongst the Muslims because mm. people have a chance to polarize themselves mm. according to their nationality mm. and sometimes according to their own ideology. Who is this book good for in terms of you know, people living in the West, I'm guessing, people understanding some of the, some of the challenges and, and, and uh, mistakes as well that have been made in the past? How can people learn from your book? Um, well, it really points out the experience. Mm. And you can't understand people unless you see what kind of experiences they have and how they dealt with them. Uh, the challenges in life, the mistakes they made, the, the good things they did, how they overcome trouble, you know, how they interact with other people who are not part of their group. Mm-hmm. I've had some good comments from people who are not Muslims who read that book. Uh, one guy was so excited about it. Uh, he wrote a paper on it, and then he sent it to one of his teachers about that. And he said, man, this is a really good book. You know, I, you know, I, I was surprised. And of course, recently, uh, um, on 85th today, we, we ran into a Pakistani lady. She said, asked me, was, she, she didn't ask me her name. She looked at me and said, are you an author? And I was like, well, you know, what kind of question is that? People just, just yeah. say, what's your name or whatever. I said, yes, I am. She said, I read your book. And the title, I didn't even tell her what the title of it was. She knew. That this is, I guess she was kind of looking for me. Mm. And she saw this African American guy. He must be the one who wrote that book. I don't know. And mm. she asked. Mashallah. But she said she liked it because it really tells you what happened in that community. Mashallah. And it's not a question of this guy did something bad, this guy did something bad. No, some things happened and you kind of explain what happened, but you also talk, I also try to tell how we overcame those things mm. and uh, explain how, how much we accomplished in the 30 or so years that. This book talks about, Mashallah. and what can we do yeah. to c- continue, you know, yeah. moving forward. 
So that's the, the, the final question I'd like to ask you really. I mean, what, how do you see the Muslim community in the States? Where, where is it going and what does it need? Um, there are a lot of different experiences in Islam for Muslims in the United States. A lot of it has to do with what part of the country you're in, uh, your nationality, your professions, who really established community and, and um, what people really desire about Islam. You know, uh, uh, one of the things that can be troublesome for Muslims is that the involvement in politics. You know, um, you have in many places, like in my hometown, we have a Muslim lady from Pakistani origin. She's on the Board of County Commissioners now. There's only five, and all five of are women. Um, and then you have people who run for other offices and things like that. But, uh, but that's not really, in my opinion, and I worked in local government for 30 years as a planner, providing information to those who want to make decisions. Mm. You know, we have to build ourselves as a community. We got to focus on that. And we can't uh, be the wakil, so to speak, the wakil, those who take care of some affairs of people who don't believe in about his messenger because they're ultimately going to get you involved with things that are you heavy have, on the same side. You have side. to compromise. That's the, that's the problem. You know, they, they, they end up compromising the religion, you know, in certain aspects. Yeah, but um, it's, it's different when you're forced to compromise than you volunteer to compromise. Yeah. You know, there's a yeah. difference between that. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the, uh, the talents and things we have that we want to devote to that should be devoted towards building the Muslim community because yeah. when they see us as a community taking care of our people and the needs of our community and then being able to share some of that with other people, that's going to bring people towards Islam more so than I'm going to run for the city council and I'm going to make decisions, you know, along with the other guys. But, you know, those decisions can be made by anybody yeah. and really not have an impact because you're not going to really change the laws of this country in that manner, you got to produce something that people realize that this is the way to do something mm. versus, you know, a law that makes you do something. Uh, that's just me, mm. you know, but I really think we have to turn our attention to developing our community, educating our children as Muslims, because in America, we can do that. We have our own private schools. They can't tell yeah. you what your curriculum can be, but they tell you some things you have to cover in your curriculum. Yeah. But you able to uh, say, you know, this society promotes evolution, but we don't believe in that, <laughs> you know. In some places, you can't say that, right? Yeah. You can't say, I don't believe in evolution like, the, like in uh, France now. Yeah, things are changing. Know. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is that we got to really devote time and attention to, mm. to that. And for the most part, it starts back with the Quran. Our children need to be on that from, from day one. Mm. And that's building. You know, we find a lot of Quran schools in many places. Some communities do it better than others. Mm. Like Somali community, for example, you know, the kids are happy before they get 15 or whatever. You know, they say, wow, these guys are something. I come out of the message and I see all them standing together. I say, here's the Quran gang, you know, you know, you know, because they all recite Quran very well and that kind of thing, and they stick together, you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that works for everybody, yeah. but. Generally, those kids who study the Quran together stick together. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what helped builds good Muslims.
And building good Muslims, build good communities. Jazakallah khair, subhanAllah, it's very insightful. It was nice to uh, get a chance to sit, sit with you again and meet you. And, and yeah, I mean, for those of you who are listening, I encourage you to go and, tra- go and check out the book, The Adhan in the Bull City, Building Durham's Islamic Community. Um, I'm going to put the links below so you can get the link, you know, so people can uh, check out the book as well. You have a website and, and they'll be able to check that out. And uh, yeah, Jazakallah khair. Do you have any, any other books in the pipeline? Anything <laughs> no. else you're thinking of? No, <laughs> no, no. At one time I thought about writing about my experience as a city planner in Durham because I, I, I really, alhamdulillah, I thank Allah for that career I had. Mm. That uh, people really respected me as a city planner because I tried to be truthful and straight. Mm. You know, to build them the services that they were supposed to get and, and not make it about me and them. It's yeah. about making sure you got what you're supposed to get. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Make sure you check out the book. And uh, I'd like to thank you again for joining us, Brother Nazi. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, make sure you uh, check out the book. And uh, join us next time on the Young Smokes podcast. Make sure you also check out and support me on the Patreon. Support the podcast on Patreon, Young Smokes. And also like, subscribe and share the video so people can benefit. And join us next time on the Young Smiths podcast. Salam alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Ahbabata walakin Allah yahdi man yasha.